episode 60 of the MetroFed TV rundown. It's taken us a while to get to this point. We know. I think this is our diamond episode or something. And just like diamonds, we sure are shining right now. It's just Lens and Juan once again this week, coming to you live from two various locations across the world that shall not be disclosed because we don't want the State Department on our ass. How are from you? From parts unknown. We're yes. in parts unknown. Uh, doing all right, Lens. Very excited to go see live soccer this weekend at Red Bull Arena. Are you ready to go to the soccer game and have fun and have beers with your friends? Yes. Uh, I won't be having beers, but uh, all the other things I'll, I'll, I will be doing. <laughs> A lot of hootering, sometimes hollering, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it, it seems like one of those matchups where there will be a lot of hootering and hollering, uh, hopefully, yes. but we'll get to that a bit later. Um, because we'll have to rewind a little bit first. Let's go back to last week. And uh, I think I kind of recall uh, towards the end of uh, episode 59 where we were um, kind of wondering out loud if we were being a bit too optimistic, claiming a 2-0 win on the road in Toronto. Well, uh, <laughs> well. I think as we all know by now, that was a conservative estimate. Yes. Right. And uh, always nice to uh, kind of start off an episode like this, uh, where even our most wildest dreams were considered um, being a bit too apprehensive. You know, and I think a uh, big cause of that, is, I guess everybody knows by now, is uh, first half hat trick from Lewis Morgan. I was told that $1.2 million in general allocation money was too much for him. Well, you still have time to go delete those takes, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of the story of the game, right? I mean, uh, you know, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Toronto, a bit of a team and a bit of a transition right now from uh, the old crop of players who were playing quite a lot of academy kids, right, on top of uh, some of the older vets. And, you know, I think uh, I didn't get to watch this game live. But from what I glimpsed anyway, um, what I what I saw basically was, you know, other than a few moments where the other than a few moments where we kind of got caught out a bit in a possession. Right. I mean, uh, this was a team that kind of just pressed uh, that just kind of dominated the midfield, you know, and I think that's sort of the story of this game. Right. Uh, the way that uh, the transition moments came as frequently as they did as a result of the command and control that we had in midfield. You know, I think um, the other story, of course, being uh, talk about our positional, all the talk last week about how we're going to be lining up. And uh, in spite of there being thoughts of a three at the back formation or perhaps a 4-4-2 diamond uh, being deployed, the surprise wrinkle was option C, a 4-2 that uh, <laughs> kind of has been, um, there have been various attempts at playing this formation, I think, over the course of the last few years. But it's never quite looked as cohesive as it did against what is, albeit, a rather um, bit of a work in progress Toronto squad, right? But encouraging signs, nonetheless, to go to BMO Field and just batter them, quite frankly. Um <laughs> <laughs> Feels nice to say that out loud. 
sorry for the chuckle, but yeah, it just kind of does feel good to say that we just absolutely creamed someone in your own house. Mm-hmm. Not not even in our house, like in their house, like in front of like uh, the first uh, game that they were playing in front of home fans, apparently in over a year. In over like a year. I yeah, know. I think, that, yeah. Something yeah, I think like uh, it was the last time, the last time, last time we played them was their first game back, but this is like, I think the first consistent running games where uh, they've played at home. Yeah. Yeah. But if we can go back to our performance, this is the second game in a row where not only did we win on the road, but we, it's the second game in a row where we're like, where we had much less of the ball, yet we outperformed uh, our expected goals by a lot. And just like looking at the heat maps, you're seeing a whole lot of red in the middle of the park for Toronto. Not a whole lot of red really anywhere for the New York team. Um, just show, goes to show like how efficient we were in those transition moments, getting up the field. Um, this is just like thinking about it now. This is the first time in Lewis Morgan's entire MLS career where he's played an advanced position and he comes off with a hat trick in the first 45 minutes. Really yeah. and really, he could have had a fourth one in uh, in the second half had we not had a work study ref um, who just decided uh, to call his own game or whatever. I think it did look marginally offside from what I did see, but you know, I mean, at that point, it doesn't really matter, right? When it doesn't matter, but at the same time, like it would have been cool to have four goals, though. It would have been cool to have four goals, but the only thing they've managed to call back was that Carlos Salcedo got a retroactive red card. Um, okay. Sure. Would have been nice if it actually happened during the game. It would have, yes. Yes. Just also like the feeling of like making teams mad again is so rewarding um, to play against them. And like we did make Toronto mad uh, when we played them at Red Bull Arena last season. So returning the favor. Like, yeah, towards the end of the game, he, uh, Bradley took, uh, Bob Bradley took both uh, Michael and Carlos Alcedo off. Like he's like, all right, I'm throwing in the towel here. Um, yeah, and I think uh, I'm going to circle back to like the underlying numbers for a bit, right? I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it may be true that I think the XG for the game kind of came out to about 2.56, but again, the general trend for me that's encouraging is, is that uptick in XG, right, in general, indicates that we are, have had much more success like creating a steady, consistent volume of chances throughout the game, right? And, you know... Yeah, I mean, I think the indicator would be that more, that as a result of this chance volume, we scored four goals because uh, we took more of them and they went our way this time. But the general trend amongst the stat generally in, this, in, in the stats is that it's an encouraging sign that we're no longer hovering around that 1.2, uh, 1.3 mark, right? Like a, mm-hmm. it's a dramatic uptick in attacking output. That is underlied. Yeah, it's a, it is a it is a dramatic uptick in attacking output, basically, which has good, which portends well for the rest of the season. I think it means that razor thin. It basically means that we don't need to defend razor thin one nil margins and play a perfect defensive game. Right, we have a bit more forgiveness in that sense. So right. when I think about what got us there, right, I think uh, there. Midfield is obviously going to be the big um, winning that midfield battle. I think it was going to be like the big part of the game. You obviously have to shout out Frankie Maya and Drew Yearwood once again, right? Because of uh, their right. excellence in the center of the pitch and uh, generating all those trend, 
they're ge generating all those uh, turnovers, right? They have constant pressure and constant uh, ability to hoover up those second balls. I mean, Amaya especially, right? Second game in a row where he's looked like an absolute peach in midfield. You know, really starting to turn around uh, the narrative on him, right? So um, definitely yet another great game for him. But of course, I think in this early run of the season, I think, yeah, you know, Lewis Morgan's hat trick obviously stands out. But that doesn't also happen without Patrick Lamola, right? Who I think deserves a big shout out this game. Because not only were there, there were technically two hat tricks this game, right? Yes. <laughs> Morgan with the hat trick of goals. But pa Patrick with like hat trick of assists, which I think was yes. kind of an interesting... Uh, Bookend, a little interesting, uh, no, maybe not a bookend, an interesting connection, I think. Of course, I think uh, why I say that um, you do have to give him a lot of credit is because, I mean, the amount of space that he's cap he's been creating for the rest of the attack, right, with his runs, with his hold-up play, I mean, it's just been stellar, you know. And as we know uh, from Struber's Barnsley, right, the striker will be heavily, the strike partnership will generally be heavily involved in creating space for those secondary runs from deep, right? And this year that we've had, now that we've brought in a bunch of attackers that are comfortable making those secondary runs in the space that opens up, right? As a result of striker drifting wide or as a result of like, uh, you know, the, the striker generally just drawing defenders to him, right? Um, I think that's what's resulting in this corresponding uptick in uh, created chances, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, in general, that doesn't happen without, um, yeah, I mean, that doesn't happen without the space that Klimala creates. Of course, you have to give credit to the people running in behind for taking those chances as well. And I mean, uh, you know, I think we were talking last week about uh, wanting to see Lewis Morgan in a much more advanced role. And, uh, well, I mean, he took he took it and then some, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what even what even needs to be said at this point, right? I mean, it's... A hat trick in like thirty and like twenty five minutes or something like that. He scored all three goals with his right foot, and then just proceeded to take every set piece with his left foot. Like my God, what a baller yeah, I mean, this guy is! That's just a casual flex, you know. Casual flex. All the goals too. I mean, like the third goal, obviously one on one with the goalkeeper, but like the first two goals were such impressive finishes. Um, the first one to hit it first time, like on the angle, he hits it so sweet, like he gets that curling of the uh, right like right under the the top right-hand corner. The second ball, like the second goal, I thought probably the most impressive on the day. Uh, Klamala gets the assist, but it's really an undercooked pass that was really like played behind Morgan. Like you, you probably would have wanted beforehand, but like he gets his hook, he, he hooks his foot right around it perfectly to bend it towards um, the bottom, the, you know, the near post real real low and i think he said it himself that like he saw the defender coming across and he said oh i'm gonna this will give me the opportunity to like hit it around him and it's like like man like an actual like a real a real footballer it's a guy with real football brain who yeah. just knows like the little ins and outs of playing yeah i mean uh, it's a little glimpse into the idea that finishing is basically just being able to react to what the defense gives you yeah right and having that instinct uh, to seat to, to to seize um a chance by adjusting yourself to the defensive shape and more often than not it's a matter of just getting an accurate shot in the direction of the goal right 
Yeah. Rather than some, you know, insane uh, ability to, uh, you know, bend space and time. I mean, not everyone can be Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but that's <laughs> uh, that's something else altogether. You know, um, I just want to shout out the the absolute big dick energy of this lad to say that when he got two, he knew he was going to get three. So yeah. shout out to that, man. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> like, like, what do you mean by that? Like, he's like, oh, I'm going to score three goals. Like, oh yeah, these guys are total bums. Let me <laughs> to say it so casually as well at the press conferences. I was like, yes. to be honest, when I got two, I knew I was going to get three. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the kind of shit we want to see. Um, I think, um, I think, uh, those are definitely the main positives I think that you could take away from this match uh, from that standpoint. Um, so I think uh, all told, I mean, I think it's starting to really, it's starting to come together a lot faster than I thought it would. <laughs> you know, then, you know, like we said many times last week, like this isn't even our final form, right? And this a little isn't bit, even our final form. A little bit on that in a bit, but <laughs> considering the, uh, Events of this week, um, I think um, it portends well, basically, um, for the rest of the season. Um, I don't know. Does anything else really stand out to you? Because I think uh, we have uh, this question from Alexander Sinopoulos that I think I want to flit in here. Because I think it's worth discussing in context of the uh, tactics of this game. Uh, with the surprise use of the four triple two, how will Fletcher play with Klimala? Will the Brit play the Barlow role and lead the line? Klimala, the last two games, has shown his fantastic qualities and also got off a good strike to start the game off. And yeah, I mean, I think uh, the implications of the four triple two here are pretty interesting, right? I think um, I wanted to center this, uh, framing it in context of the attacking movement, especially, is that. Um, it's because I think of the potential symmetry that this adds, right? And I think even Barlow, this game, right, was kind of showing the potential that it had. If you had two strikers, right, who were capable of kind of splitting off, dovetailing with each other and opening up the space for on either side of the pitch, right, for more attackers to run into, right? I think on the first goal especially, um, yes, Klimala's uh, run into their right-hand channel, right, creates that space to draw attackers from. But then also you have to look in the other side of what's going on at the far post, right? With Barlow kind of doing that small shadowing run to the far post to draw even more attackers, right, in the opposite direction, yeah. right? Just that presence being there opens up that space for Lewis Morgan to make that late run, darting into, like, the middle of the box from where he takes the shot first time. You know, I think that's the kind of attacking movement that's possible, right? Uh, it's why I don't really think that... Um, I don't really think it's going to be a case where it's going to be one lone striker or one striker or the other leading the line, right? If you have two strikers that are kind of smart enough to have that sense of, to create space by doing these kinds of runs, right? It's a much more symmetrical look to our attack, right? Adds that level of unpredictability because defenders have so many things to be concerned about, right? You have someone drawing you to the byline, to opening up space in the middle. You have a relatively physically imposing striker at the far post that kind of needs attention to because otherwise you're leaving a big guy all alone at the far post, right? Draws even more defenders to him. And then you also have to consider the fact that you have that line of two behind them, which was, I think, 
for this game, Omir Fernandez and Lewis Morgan, right? Yeah. Tucking in behind him. Very good at like uh, getting into half spaces and getting shots off quickly. Yeah. You add Luquinhas in the place of Lewis. <laughs> you add Luquinhas, no. Presumably in the place of Omir Fernandez. And that gives defenders a lot of a lot of food food for thought, basically. Yeah. Like like what excites me about that is that we have the ability it has the potential for us to be able to create an overload, basically anywhere in the attacking third, and then have the requisite movement to take advantage of the space that opens up. So you don't know mm-hmm. where and when it's coming from until it actually happens. I think that could potentially be devastating. You know. Very, very right. excited about that. And to your point, not just uh, on the attacking side, I think, uh, just looking at the stats of this particular game, um, Tom Barlow actually, looking at like defensive pressures per the 90 of this game, uh, Tom Barlow had the most uh, on the team uh, this particular match. He had 45 defensive pressures. Uh, not, not to go into how many of them succeeded, but most of them happened actually in the, the middle third of the pitch. So... I don't know what the psych, the 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 uh, the the same stats would be for Ashley Fletcher, but it'd be interesting to see um, what he can do in that similar role. Because it's like it's like you have just two set, like like I said last time, it's like just having a forward that can just bully defenders for ninety minutes, for sixty minutes, uh, and then you you know you bring you bring in your cavalry in the second half to to finish the job. It would be interesting to see. Yeah, I think to the point about defensive pressures especially, I think that's sort of like one of those understated things that um, results in the press being as effective as it is, right? Because I think Mm -hmm. the ability to constantly harry defenders on the ball, right, results in more rush decisions being made, especially against relatively inexperienced players like some of the defenders that Toronto were playing, I think, in the last game against this. As a result of that, you know, I mean, uh, since they're making rush decisions, they kind of play into our hands a little bit, right? The pressing traps that happen in the center of the field. Especially with now the more um, advanced grasp of the tactics, I think, uh, that the midfield pivot have, right? I think, um, I think, uh, like we said at the top of the episode, um, the, it, it was kind of like a buzzsaw in the middle of the field. Right. right, we 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 kind of knew going into the season that that would be the game plan was to overload the center of the pitch, and it's already seemed like uh, it's uh, been paying off partially because uh, we're harrying defenders into making rush decisions once again. Right, we are manipulating the passing outlets in a way that we encourage them to pass in the middle of the pitch to try and relieve right themselves off of a couple uh, off of two strikers that are constantly harassing people right mm-hmm. on the edge on either side of the flank. And once they pass the ball into the middle, that's where the trap happens, right? Like your wood and yeah. Amaya push up, uh, the uh, Fernandez and Morgan like pinch in. And then all of a sudden, like basically like you're kind <laughs> of, you're kind of left with nowhere to go. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. If you look at like, like over the course of the whole game, the whole team, uh, 162 pressures in the middle of the park. Versus yeah. uh, eighty three in our in our defensive third and sixty seven in um, in Toronto's half or it you know in Toronto's defensive third. Yeah, I mean that, that's, that's kind of everything that you need to that kind of needs to be said about that, right? I mean, I think uh, just it just just good knowing that 
a game plan is going exactly to plan. You know, I don't yeah. really think there's a more um, all hallmarks of a game plan that's being executed perfectly. Well, I wouldn't say perfectly yet, but executed well in the early stages of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think um, it's for that reason. You know, I mean, uh, it, it's good. Once again, you know, I mean, I don't think I don't think that Toronto. I mean, Toronto were obviously a team in transition, like we said earlier this season. But once again, you know, we we took advantage of that. We just beat the shit out of them because we had a plan and we executed it well. So, <laughs> yeah, my favorite. Sometimes, I think my my favorite tweet uh, after this game was that Toronto was so bad they got one of the they got one of the players' dads to coach. Well. You know, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. <laughs> they're not wrong, technically. Uh, continuous uh, varsity sports dad, Bob Bradley, <laughs> and his, uh, and his uh, large, and his, uh, large. I wouldn't even say adult son, because I think that's kind of washed. Like, that's very 2018. I'm not, I'm not about that <laughs> life anymore. Um, I would I would call Michael Bradley a fail son, but I think that's being a bit too mean to poor Michael. So um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm I'm a changed man. Okay, <laughs> I I don't care about the U.S. men's national team anymore. In fact, I think uh, in fact I think it was great when they lost in Trinidad. How about that? Wow, you know, it, was, it, it was the best night of my life, actually. <laughs> The problem with the U.S. men's national team is that they don't play enough games at Alto Bulldog Stadium, and I think that should just be the permanent home venue going forward. Exactly. Uh, we should just do. We should do. Uh, we should do. We should just recreate that fixture every year. Yeah, I but mean, with the, the exact Cup... same players, though. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna. Tim Howard at the age of fifty-five, like exactly, and finds a way to jump even slower towards the ball with each basket. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> As it floats in the air from from Omar Gonzalez. <laughs> like I thought, Josh Saunders was bad, man. I think uh, Tim Howard at the age of fifty-five would really be something else, huh? <laughs> anyway, I just want to go on record saying that the World Cup is a lot cooler without America in it. So uh, I just kind of wish we could keep it that way, but we can't. Uh, okay. I don't know. Is there anything else uh, you want to touch upon? Anything else from the Toronto game? Anything else stand out to you? Uh. No, not really. I, I do appreciate shout out to I think was it Serge and Goma coming into this game? I think it was Zach Ryan, wasn't it? Oh Zach Ryan. Oh yes, getting his first minutes. It's good. Good to see uh that's that's probably the benefit of like being able to pants teams that you could just blood in new guys uh early on in the season. Just go fucking run around a bit, son. Yes. Oh, Tom Edwards is back. He came back in. Good for him. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He Came in for one of the Neelai, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, it was uh, Aaron Long. It was Aaron Long, okay. Yes. Honestly, yes. I, I, I kind of glossed over that part because, uh, yeah. you know, it doesn't show up in the highlights. does not show up in the highlights, uh, yeah. which he handed the he handed the armband to uh, to Sean Neelis. And uh, Aaron Long, just this is a tidbit, but he confirmed that uh, Sean Neelis is our uh, vice captain. Oh, that's good. So you have, like, uh, what is it? First choice center back pairing of your captain and your vice captain. All right. Exactly. It's going to be interesting when he's doing the team speeches in a couple of years and it's like in the most Long Island accent imaginable. Oh my gosh. 
they did a feature on on the two Neelis brothers and like their mom would would be cut in and she has unbelievable Long Island accent. <laughs> the strong the strong island energy. Strong she, uh, island. So it sounds like someone who uh, who like basically like grows up in a diet of bagels, you know. <laughs> and Billy Joel it. music. Yeah. <laughs> basically um uh, basically, I anticipate that Sean Neal's Captain promos will be like uh, MJF promos. I think. Oh my God! <laughs> really, be something. <laughs> We're better than them, and we know, and they know. <laughs> and like every time the team takes the field at Ripple Arena, you get the yes. It'd be so perfect for like the ultimate bad guys of the team of the league once again. You know, I kind of, I kind we just sign we sign the biggest lad just to be our enforcer. Yes, <laughs> but that means he's gonna turn. But that means we're gonna treat him like shit, and he's gonna turn and tur- turn turn his back on us. Though, and yeah, this is as far as this uh, as the simile is gonna go. I think. Yeah, we, we don't want that happening. We also don't want any perverted Canadians on our team. Okay. Yeah, we also don't want anyone from Chicago beating our team. So yeah. Yeah, that would be extremely lame. So that would be yeah, lame. Be lame. <laughs> it's it's yeah. shared on Shakiri instead of CM Punk. It's the power cube. Oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah, that would suck, dude. <laughs> I mean, uh, apologies to all our Albanian fans, but I'm not down for that. <laughs> <laughs> all the all the landlords in, like, uh, Brooklyn probably just shut off this episode right there. And all, uh, all, my, my super Tony in Yonkers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, let's go. Let's Let's do stocks. This is the only time I ever look forward to doing stocks. I don't otherwise do stocks because uh, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't understand them. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's make this imaginary line go up and down for a bunch of players. Uh, so stock up, obviously, Lewis Morgan, Patrick Klimala, and I think I'm going to give mine to Frankie Amayo once again because, I mean, you know, pretty straightforward for me. Uh, every single one of these guys had a role this game and they nailed it you know pretty straightforward justification the scoreline kind of speaks for itself you know i think these three had the biggest hand to play and uh in uh the result that transpired and for that i'm gonna give them a lot of credit but obviously uh may come across different if i actually managed to watch the game but yeah this is what kind of stood out for me uh based on information that i gleaned so, um, stock down. Stock down. Uh, I'm going to give a stock down to uh, the city of Toronto in general, collectively, <laughs> for closing down Poutini's House of Poutine in 2020. Damn. Couldn't believe uh, that coronavirus claimed another one. <laughs> that was some really nice poutine if you never had it. I mean, I think, uh, obviously, I think people will say that uh, poutine in Montreal is better because the gravy is more delicious. But you know what set poutini apart is that they'd have, like, a poutine that had, like, fries, a layer of, like, gravy and curds. And then on top of that, they layer another layer of fries with gravy and curds on top of that. So it's like a double-decker poutini that wow. repeated itself as you went down. That was the <laughs> shit. It's poutine all the way down. Yeah, it's, like, double poutine all the wow. way all the way through the bowl. It was so good. <laughs> straight up. Straight up. Unforgivable. Unforgivable. Um, stock down? I don't know. I think that's the only stock down I'm going to issue. 
I mean, it's a, it, it's pretty nice uh, that um, I don't have to issue stock downs, I think, too much in this early run of the season. Um, I also did want to shout out quickly uh, honorable mention to uh, Carlos Coronel for that really nice save on uh, Alejandro Pozuelo. I think um, yes. while the game was still 1-0, mm-hmm. it was a textbook goalkeeping, you guys. It was what to do when a close-range one-on-one with uh, the the attacker flashing your near post. Just stay stay on the line, stay square to the ball, and stay back enough to give yourself as much time to react to the shot, and that's exactly what he did. Textbook goalkeeping. Very nice to see. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That kind of does it for me. Uh, what about you? Stock ups? I'm going I'm to give a stock up to Omir Fernandez. Like, this is a, this is a game where he had significantly less or not less, fewer uh, looks at goal specifically, but uh, every other aspect, he played some really nice balls. He played Klimala in a few times on the, was it the second goal? I think it was the second, uh, on Lewis Morgan's second goal. It was a nice little like reverse pass that sent Klimala on his way um, uh, to set up, you know, to get the pass off to Morgan. And I think he had a lot of other defensive pressures as him, you know, doing doing the energy drink soccer. Um, I don't know if I have other stock. Uh, I think this is stock. Oh, maybe Tom Barlow too. I feel like Tom Barlow uh, played a lot to his strengths in this game. I was very yeah. concerned about seeing him starting, and I'm like, ooh, how are we are we just trying out the two striker formation? But you know, I think he he's a good presser of the ball. He he, you know, we think about the thing, <laughs> the what what he lacks in sort of what we expect out of Patrick Klamala, he makes up for in um, just hassling defenders all game long. Um, and we can say Toronto was bad, but like Tom Barlow also had like a few shots on goal, had a few looks himself. He could have bagged one too, which would have been very funny if he, yeah. if he got one this two games in a row. Yeah. And I think a quick aside here that um, you, you, like I think with the pressing stuff, especially, right. I mean, I think the worst, the worst parts of the Alex Wheel discourse have now find found their way to Tom Barlow. You know, and I think a lot of it unfortunately has to do with the fact that nominally on the roster page, he is listed as a striker. And people and the expectations that generally come from strikers being able to finish chances. And I think, you know, I think at some point we just kinda of have to acknowledge that like this is the kind of player that Tom Barlow is. You know, I mean he's not gonna be a frequent like ten goal. Like, I don't even think he's going to hit 10 goals a season, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't contribute in other ways, you know, and I guess this is going to make me Tom Barlow apologist or whatever. If this does, then that's fine. But the simple (laughs) fact of the matter is that this role in the team is to come on and constantly harangue tired legs by bringing that energy in the press, right? And that's something which he does really, really well. Yeah, the hold-up play is lacking, whatever but basically by the time he comes on the team should already in an ideal world be up two or three goals so it doesn't really matter so much right last year and the year before i kind of get it the frustration was there because you know i mean like we weren't doing much in the ways of scoring goals the last two or three seasons but now that i think that there's a more cohesive plan and attack that kind of lifts the burden a little bit more you know off of that shoulders where he's not going to be expected to have to have to come in to a close one nil game and be looked upon to maybe ice the game by get bagging a second somehow, some way. 
you know, it lifts a significant amount of pressure off because now I think the expectation shifts to just him coming out, putting in a good, sh- putting in a good defensive shift to close out the game, and like um, keeping defenders honest through the closing stages. You know, I mean, that's more than perfectly fine for a guy I think uh, who's being paid at what he's being paid and what his role in a team should ultimately be, which is just energy sub off the bench. You know, I think that's what we're looking at here. This yeah. is, yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> We've moved on beyond the need for positions. We're talking about roles now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Wait, I, I gave Omir, Tom Barlow, uh, maybe stock up to Aaron Long, maybe. I think second game back it, after after a pretty bad, uh, it, it was a, uh, it was to his Achilles, correct? Yes. Yes. And he gets bags of gold looking, looking like he never left. Uh, but now as a captain, uh, I don't really have any stock downs. Dylan Nealis had a very particular game. Uh, first game back in his preferred position kind of looked shaky, but I, I have, I, I feel like I want to trust him in that position should, uh, that's his to claim. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think um, now that Tom Edwards is back in the fold, right? I think uh, that's going to be one of the, one of the things to kind of just look at in more detail as the season progresses. Because I think, um, I, I think uh, I understand that he looked a lot more solid as a right center back in the three man back line that he did out there at right wing. Like, like Tom Edwards, back. or uh, no, I'm talking about a uh, Dylan Nealis. Oh well, he I... wasn't a he what he wasn't a right center back. He was the left center back, but yes, the, the outside center, center back. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Because uh, it was Long Nealis, and uh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of one of those interesting portals, I guess. Um, definitely. Uh, I mean, I don't know now, now that Tom Edwards is back. Basically, like I think. It'll be interesting to see if anything changes on that side of the field. I think mm-hmm. It's kind of cop out thing for me to say going into uh, the, but kind of a cop out thing for me to say going into the Minnesota game. But I don't anticipate personally that he's going to be a fixture that much. As the team reaches its idealized form, I could be wrong though. So I mean, like, we'll we'll, we'll have to see how that we'll have to see how that shakes out. Right. Um, I don't remember too much about Dylan Nealis, to be honest, because again, like, I couldn't only, only he has really... a bit of that quality to him, where it's like he's he has he's like the most anonymous guy on the field, which I guess is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, if you're if... not if you're not just like committing howlers all game long. Yeah, I mean if. If if you're just consistently unremarkable, you know, I mean, I think that's just means you're an average player, and that's perfectly Maybe. fine in context of some teams. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> doing nothing to stand up but doing nothing to do wrong either is one of those underrated qualities. I think, um, like we every... said, we're about roles, and so you need a guy. You need a guy who can do that. Yeah, sometimes depends on. Yeah, I mean, it really depends. But anyway, that's. Uh, it's kind of a, kind of a weird tangent, Dylan Nealis. I don't think uh, we need to go too long about. Um, yeah, I think that puts a bow on the Toronto game, right? I think. Yep. 
All right. So uh, let's move on. Let's look ahead to uh, let's recap what's happened elsewhere in the team uh, going into the weekend against uh, Minnesota United FC. Yes, it's the home opener at Red Bull Arena. Uh, they pushed it back a few hours because of the St. Patrick's Day parade or something like that. I, I hear that. I understand that that's that, that that's what happened. I didn't even know that Harrison had a St. Patrick's Day parade, but you know, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess uh, if that's your thing, that's your thing. Uh, I can't claim to know too many Irish people in my life, or at least I can in public. But <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just don't look at my bank account details. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um, right. Yes. Uh, that being said, yeah, home opener Red Bull Arena, and I think uh, on top of that, you know, there have been some, uh, there has been some movement right in the player and personnel. Um, I think uh, pretty great news, a pretty nice shot in the arm going into this home opener. It's always a special time when the team plays at home for the first time in the season. But of course, it's going to be made even more special by the fact that Lukinias is here, right? And apparently, he went straight to the Ironbound District, <laughs> as you would. As you would, I imagine. As you would, uh, of course. I do, think. Do you think he knew that? Like, there's a ton of there's just, like a ton of like Portuguese speaking people in Newark, or was that like a surprise to him? Yeah, I don't know how much of that was pre-mediated, but I mean, they had a billboard and everything for him ready, right? Right. So I guess it was part of the PR tour, and right. uh, I think uh, you know, I mean, like the moment you see all the, uh, I mean, the uh, what is it, the Redizio restaurants, the Seabras. The uh, egg tarts in the shop window at that one bakery. Actually, let's not let's not talk to him about all those foods. I feel like that's an off season thing. Uh, it's always off season somewhere, <laughs> right? But uh, it's currently let, let's not let's not let him think that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there's some about fitness and conditioning, but you know, I mean, yes. I just got to say, like, it's like 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 uh, it's it's always a banging time in the Ironbound, and anyway, they brought him there already. And look, I mean, uh, he's a professional athlete, right? <laughs> I mean, jokes aside. Right. So, you know, uh, you know, the paramount to discipline. I mean, people were commenting about how small he looked in person. <laughs> but then, like, I recall this is like, haha, he's small. But then I remember, wait, he's my height. What the fuck? Oh, like, what? What the hell? Yeah. Uh, the deal is that, like, I think soccer players can look surprisingly, like, lean in person because you remember that these are guys that, like, are literally running, like, miles and miles and miles each game right yeah i think the first time i ever met alex Muil, uh we, we were just on the on the path train and i'm just like like wow he's just he's like he's actually bigger than i thought he would be <laughs> you know who who doesn't though aaron long is like a noodle surprisingly oh really enough. yeah like he's oh, yeah. Fi- like what five five eleven aaron long but like he's a lot yeah. smaller um like he looks more like a noodle in person which i think is kind of <laughs> Also, want to fact check myself a bit. I am two inches taller than Lucinius, but wow. that that doesn't yeah. really matter so much. <laughs> On the Lucinius thing, I did. We I noticed. I, I'm I'm not going to say what the account is, but like his wife is also on Twitter, and uh, she basically said that his visa was approved last week. And it's like, wait, she just she just leaked that information last week. Isn't she the same <laughs> like, person who said that she wants to like decorate their apartment with like Disney stuff and shit? I will not confirm nor deny that yeah well i mean people have been sharing these pretty often but yeah i mean i just will maintain their privacy if they want yes but regardless they seem excited to be here folks is what i'm trying to say and uh you know i mean i think this arrival comes at a very um 
interesting time considering the fact that we literally won let the aggregate from our two opening games is like seven two you know i mean i think uh we've been out with seven the goals in our first opening games and they're both on the road both on the road yeah now with the addition of a guy at home right of this guy potentially at home right i think uh he trained today from what i understand he uh, trained today we could see yeah. him on the weekend yeah, I mean, the potential is definitely there. Yeah. <laughs> that should definitely whet the appetite. You know, it's like uh, going to feel like one of those like Kaku coming on against Olympia moments, you know? Oh, yeah. And we like, can all just be like, like he misses one shot and be like, oh, man, this guy sucks. <laughs> but the energy coming from that cameo appearance was palpable, you know, like uh, definitely. <laughs> Struber like, being like, where is my boy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it, if, 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 it, if it says anything, I mean, it basically shows that Schubert expects him to play a pretty big role in this offense, right? Uh, so, right. I mean, like, um, it's seems like it's compensation for missing out on Siad Haksibanovic. So, um, seeing yeah. as how like now we actually also have like functioning support pieces around him. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just excited to see him on the field. You know, I think he could very, very well. This excited. is what goes from like what could potentially be a good team to potentially be like a very special season, in yeah. my opinion. So you know, I mean, I I'm I'm keen. I gotta yeah. say, I'm keen. You know, I mean, I'm. I think, um, yeah. I mean, the last the last three years have been rough shit, right? But <laughs> it's looking a <laughs> it's lot. It's been rough now. shit. Yeah, exactly. It's like we had Armus. We had Hamlet. It was rough shit, but we got. <laughs> but we got. <laughs> but we got uh, the will... Red Bull. We got so the Red is... Bull. Uh, I will say, as not not to temper, I am excited. But uh, it was confirmed by the team Twitter account that Lucinius will wear the number eighty-two. <sighs> you know, as long as he. Scores a lot of goals and bags a lot of assists. He can wear whatever fucking number he wants. Right? No, he like, can't. It's <laughs> at a certain point. We have to respect the aesthetics of the game. I'm curious as to why he wears 82. Obviously, because obviously he wasn't born in 1982. I'm thinking like like he's doing like an Ivan Zamorano type thing where it's like eight plus two is ten, and he would if okay if he wore eight, 82 and had like a little plus mark in between them, that would okay. I, I'd be okay with that. Maybe it was like his like academy like like a serious take on this would be like maybe it was like his academy number or something and it, since it has so much sentimental value to him, like he just kept it throughout his career or something like that. Oh, maybe. But that's too rational and too unfun of a prediction, because yeah. uh, I think. Yeah, um, what was I gonna say before that? Yeah, no, I think it was. I was gonna. I was gonna riff on side talk a little bit more because I think. Uh, yeah, yeah the end of the season when we're lifting mls cup is gonna be like hey tell me something kt don't you regret not coming do you regret not staying with the bulls do you regret not staying with the bulls so i'm gonna be so obnoxious okay i mean i admit that i was still down bad uh and you know i mean i gotta say i mean like this is kind of uh it still is his team right he's just not going to be molding it going forward but based yeah. on the guys that we've brought in and assembled, you know, I mean, I think I'm, I'm, 
I'm enthused. To say the least, I'm enthused. You know, I, I, I cannot wait to see what this team looks like once he, once he slots in, basically. And we still have Ashley Fletcher to come. We have two more months until the transfer window closes. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, right? But, you know, I mean, I guess obnoxious shit aside, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's nice to see that this plan that we had for most of 2021 that we were speaking about in very like abstract terms may very well be coming to fruition. And for that, you know, we have to thank um, Gerhard Schuber and Kevin Bellwell. Hopefully, 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 yeah. hopefully, hopefully. This all shakes out. Okay, I did my research. I did some research and Lukinias has worn uh, 82 at basically every team he's played at. He's worn it at Benfica. Obviously, he wore it at Legia Warsaw, but he also wore it at uh, Villa Francensi, where the other team that he played for. So, Darren someone's got to ask him. Darren, uh, Darren uh, Campeonato B, right? I think in Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. No, I think that team is um, Portuguese. I think he went he went straight to Portugal quite young. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what yeah. It's, yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh yeah, Liga Portugal too. Anyway, uh, he's also from Brasilia, which I find very interesting. Oh um, yeah, like like uh, who's who's from there? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's we, literally just like a made up town. Yeah, I mean it's like it's a city that they built in the middle of nowhere just to say that this is the new capital. Yeah. <laughs> have some nice oscar nehemiah buildings i'm like fair enough yeah you know i, I, I guess you got to make it look palatable somehow because otherwise you're, <laughs> middle, you're living in the middle of fucking nowhere right quite literally uh let's see um other team news i think going into uh, the minnesota united game is uh kind of a kind of an kind of an interesting one i wouldn't really say it's anything too major definitely not something getting like worked up about for like 10 hours but omar so going to like iceland on loan uh yeah i mean really nothing much more to be said about that than that and i think uh it's just an opportunity to give someone an opportunity for more minutes that he's just not going to get at the team right. i mean i'll be honest yeah. here I, I i i don't know if he's good enough for the first team Maybe he comes back from Iceland a better player and has a case for next year. But it doesn't seem likely because his contract runs out at the end of the year. So, I mean, uh, opportune time for me to bring in this question from Ed Ritter. Thanks for your question, Ed. Uh, Omar So to Iceland, uh, to a small island in the North Atlantic specifically, plus or <laughs> minus. And I think it's... I'm not even going to give a sign, to be honest, because it's such a, I don't know, it feels like kind of a nothing transaction. Like, I mean, uh, we dredge up guys like this for Red Bull, too. Like, it feels almost every other season. Yeah. And so far, like, none of the guys that we've cut from Red Bull, too, or wherever, have really come back to kind of bite us one way or another. Like, I don't remember who was the last cat miss guy from Red Bull, too, that we cut that ended up making a splash in MLS to some shape or form, you know? And, you know, I mean, if he wasn't from Harrison, New Jersey, which I suppose is the point of contention for a lot of people, um, like, we wouldn't otherwise be 
we would otherwise just be treating this as yet another young homegrown player who uh, just wasn't good enough to make the grade at the first team. I mean, we don't cry about Arun Basulovic or anything, right? <laughs> you cry over Dan Metzger, like I certainly don't. Stefano oh, Bonomo. I mean, this is what Omar So was for 2021, right? This was Stefano Bonomo. Again. Well, Stefano uh, Bonomo was not was not a homegrown. But it's uh, categorically the same kind of player. Like a guy who's brought up for a cup of coffee from Red Bull 2 and just, you know, I mean, I guess. Homegrown designation or not, it's a guy that came up from Red Bull 2, basically. And yeah, for nothing more than a cup of coffee and then just left. Doesn't really matter yeah. to me. Yeah, we'll see. If anything, this is more of an indicator of like how the role of RB2 is going to play for this team rather than letting these guys, these prospects, you know, keep playing at RB2 where really like results kind of don't matter before the MLS Reserve League uh, gets brought in. Um, sending him off like to get actual minutes at teams actually competing. Um, Jake LaCava, you know, we sent him to Tampa Bay, uh, a team that's not a reserve team, a team that's actually competing for trophies independently. We're sending Omar So to, complain, uh, to compete at... Bradablick in Iceland, which finished second in the table last year, from what I understand. Um, I, 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 I ran like their little press release through Google Translate, and uh, the funny thing about their reference is like, according to Transfer Market, like, wow, they 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 reference Transfer Market just like we do. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, the to be interesting to see. He's playing at a team that's actually competing for trophies. It's not even like one of the 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 also rans in Iceland, like I don't know the team that David James played for. Uh, I don't even know what the teams that play in Iceland are, other than that, like they probably have all unpronounceable names and shit. Like yeah, there's that one that David James played for. There's one team called Stjarnarn, which like went viral in 2010 because they had like that that the really funny goal celebrations. Oh, like, the, the, guy, the guys like, who did the, the bicycle fish. celebration, right? Yeah, and the guys who like did the, like the floppy fish one. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I vaguely remember that, yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I think the point mostly being that, I mean, this isn't also something that's, like, out of the ordinary for a Red Bull global operation. Literally, like, just, like, look, look at how many guys Salzburg sends out. On, you, could, yeah. you, could, you, you could create a whole another team out of the guys Salzburg has out on load. Yeah, I mean, it's all to clubs and leagues that you've never heard of really right. and i mean these are all guys that are younger than omar so so i mean you know like it's part and parcel of uh this club i would probably say uh sometime and i mean i don't even need to say that I, I don't even know that there's a real project here doing this other than just giving a guy an avenue to try and make a name for himself somewhere or some yeah. shape create a little bit of visibility for himself so that he can kind of plot his next career move. I mean, I think that could possibly be what it is. Can't yeah. really say if there's a project here for, I mean, what are otherwise quite dime a dozen squad players, what we're basically looking at at MLS level, right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's really just on to the next. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough, he's still like in preseason. I looked at their schedule. They don't have a game until April 10th, which would be like the Super Cup. So I'm just saying, if he doesn't win a trophy his first game, don't send it back. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I guess that's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, whatever. 
<laughs> we, we spent a lot of time to basically come to the conclusion of uh, whatever, I think. Um, it's Why a, you have to be mad? It's only a love. It's only Omar So. Why do you have no. to be mad? <laughs> Team just won 4 1 in the road after all. I mean, like, come on now. Um, not saying that um, the person that sent this, this question is mad. Anyway, but uh, let's see. Um, uh, let's look to, I mean, the visitors this uh, season, right? I'm sorry, this weekend. Coming into this game with a few injuries, I understand that the key injuries, of course, are being to the first-choice fullbacks. One of which is O'Neill Fisher. O'Neill Fisher. That's that, which is kind of wild to me, right? That that, that he's still around. Like, how old is he at this point? Like, he's he, he's definitely got some miles in those legs, right? He's only thirty years old, but he's been like in the league for like it feels like forever, basically, right? So, right. yeah, I mean. Um, basically, like a uh, team, team like this coming into our home, missing quite a few players, right? I kind of do expect a win here, folks. I mean, uh, I can't remember where they finished last year. I have been very tuned out of the rest of MLS the last couple of years because, like, I don't know, it just doesn't really feel like it matters so much to me. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, so fifth in the Western Conference in 2021. So, I mean, this is a solid Lehman table team last year. They're now coming into our home stadium, missing quite a few players. You know, I mean, I think it'd be very reasonable to say that how we performed in the opening two games in the road, that this should be a team that we should be beating comfortably, right, at home, if this level of performance keeps up, especially if they're missing this many players. I mean, there's kind of no need to break down Adrian Heath's tactics, or perhaps the lack thereof, but <laughs> <laughs> lads, it's Adrian Heath. Yeah, we kind of know what they're all about at this point, right? Like, just you know, I mean, just just understand that this is an Adrian Heath team, and uh, with the number of players they're missing, like, we should definitely be beating them rather comfortably if we want to say that we're serious about winning things this year, right. and that should be the expectation going into this game. It's like me and football manager when I put the I expect to win team talk. <laughs> that's exactly what's that's exactly what I, that's exactly what I expect. And you know, a nice little bonus as well if we get a Lucinius cameo off the bench, Ooh, and then yes. he does some really fun stuff that really whets the appetite. You know, that would that that that's my hopes for the game. Basically, I'm not going to give a prediction like we did last week, but uh, basically, I expect to win. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fair to say. I mean, uh, if nobody else has any comments for uh, anything that should, that's transpired over the week, uh, you know, I think um, we could probably just move on to the mailbag now. Um, oh, I guess uh, we, we have a new special assistant to the sporting director. Oh, I a totally one... glossed over this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Yeah, please. it's just some guy named uh, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips. Um, Does he have any relation to Sean? Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, wow. It's his brother. Oh, okay. Well, what what, what about has he that? been up to? Uh, I think he just retired. Oh, okay. From, uh, oh, from professional football. Okay, interesting. Okay. Uh, uh, I last saw him at Manchester City, so where's he been since? Oh, he's been at a whole bunch of teams. Wait, he played for the New York Red Bulls? Hold on a second. <laughs> How many goals? Wow. Hold on. 
Oh, Bradley Wright. Oh, my God. I was confused for a second. Seems like a pretty good player, huh? Right. It's BWP. You remember BWP, right? Oh, you mean? Yeah, yeah. You see, he, uh, I, I bought his hat once. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Two nines. I saw him. Uh, I saw him a uh, body Yannick Bellassi and a Lord of the Mikes. <laughs> oh, that was the same guy. Wow. <laughs> He's so talented. My goodness. He's so talented. What a He's guy. So, so good at everything that he does. Like, He's yeah, going to be I mean, such an it, asset for this club. For for from a from a sentimental standpoint, right? I mean, I think it's it's great that he's back. You know, I mean, I think um, a lot of why I think a lot of people fell in this love with this team over the course of twenty tens is because of that goal machine, leading the line in the four two three one, right? The number ninety nine that hangs from the rafters at Ripple Arena. I mean, for definitely a sentimental favorite. Uh, we should all be glad that he's back, and uh, basically. Cannot wait. I think part of his role as like a special assistant to the GM would be to like to di- to like cut diss tracks like before we uh, before we play. <laughs> he teams. just he does Max Caster. Yeah, for the team. But, but be better, it's like the, yeah, it's like the, it's like the grime version, right? And then like every time yes. we clean, we, we keep a clean sheet. Like uh, you hear over the PA system at Red Bull Arena, no goals. I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> like yeah, bro. It's like yeah, brother. <laughs> And then when we bend teams, like you was in a relegation battle, yeah, He's on like a football tackle. <laughs> I, I still go back and watch that Lord at the Mike's appearance. So it's much. so good, it's, it's, especially like the intro, right? It's like a new cuts from AK, Slim C, <laughs> and Diesel. <laughs> much anticipated rap battle between Slim Master Flex. <laughs> Oh man! Uh. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to see him. Uh, he said on a podcast recently. I think it was the Counterattack podcast that his friend uh, runs. He was. It's really interesting. He talks a lot about his career. Talked a lot about like, you know, the life of being a striker. Uh, he talked a lot about what he wanted to do after he retired, after his career. And he he one thing he specifically mentioned was that he wanted to. Um, be a link some kind of link some kind of bridge between uh major league soccer or like american soccer and players in the lower rungs of the english football pyramid uh because he talks a lot about his experience like what he what what his expectations were coming to the united states to play soccer um and how surprised he was and how he you know he basically got his second wind here and revived his career so uh should be interesting i'm very excited i'm very excited to see him in general but uh uh, it's neat to see he has this uh, this new uh, purpose uh, going into retirement. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be doing front office stuff now, so I guess it kind of sounds like he's our our very own Mario Gomez. <laughs> very nice. Very we, nice. It's, the, it's the button, but it's like using a relegation battle. <laughs> <laughs> Please, please make this a thing. I don't know if Andrew Vizano listens to this podcast anymore, but like, please make this a thing. Like, <laughs> just please take that Lord of the Mics appearance and turn it into a soundboard so that we can just go ham like every time uh, <laughs> the team does something cool that we like. Uh, all right. So um, I think that'll um, wrap it up for now. Uh, we'll go to the questions, I think. Uh, so thank you once again for everybody who's otherwise sent a question in um over the course of uh the last 12 hours i think yeah 
So uh, first one coming from uh, Toby Chalk. Will Monzone ever see the pitch without Aaron or Sean disintegrating? I don't know. I mean, I think that's probably a decision that's uh, going to come to the uh, coaching staff. And I think uh, at this point they have uh, gained a little bit of uh, the benefit of the doubt for me once again, right? Because I think they've been kind of on the money about how how and where players are, just based on the fact that, uh, you know, I think uh, some of the players that they were praising right in the preseason comments have definitely shown that they made gains, right? Frankie Amaya being, of course, chief here, uh, how he's come along tactically. Um, I do trust that they will be introducing Lucas Monzon when they feel like the time comes. And even if it doesn't, I mean, he's on here on like a loan. So we don't really lose anything at the end of the day. Right. And, you know, I mean, I mean, like if he's just here as depth, you need depth center backs in this league. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Like I, I, I do not want to say that we should. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know if there's a line of thinking that people are thinking that we should be cutting him and then bringing in someone else who can compete for first-team spot. But, I mean, I don't think it really works like that, right? I mean, I think um, I think it kind of is a roundabout way to kind of end up in the same position like you were before, right? It's, yeah. It doesn't seem like it's a broken situation right now, so it doesn't really need a fix, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, It'll be... Because uh, at least when Aaron Long had mentioned that Sean Niels is the vice captain, he was more uh, speaking to a potential of him being of absences due to international team duty. So, yeah. you know, it's probably worth seeing that whether or not Monzon makes makes the team makes the lineups rather um, should uh, Aaron be be away uh, with uh, with with Greg Berhalter. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a fair thing to bring up because, uh, you know, I mean, he is playing for a spot in the plane of Qatar, right? Yes. Yeah, said he wants to play a World Cup, and, uh, you know, it is a World Cup year. It is it's, a World uh, Cup year. It's at the end of the year, but it is it's a World Cup year, year nonetheless. It is a, so. Yes. <laughs> um, one of those weird things that I literally just remembered. <laughs> just remember that there's a World Cup this year? Like, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, it is. No, 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 I'm serious. It is. It's been so far out down in my radar that I just haven't really cared. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, that's right, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you know, uh, we you do have to factor international call-ups, so I yeah. do think, um, I mean, you'll probably see him at some point, but for now, uh, yeah, I mean, just for now, just don't worry too much about it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna say, Um, this one from friend of the show, Christopher Cruz. Thank you, the Red Bull Mang. Who would win? A large group of aquatic birds or one Scottish boy? This is a tough one. And I mean, I do. Interesting question. Okay, what kind of aquatic bird, first of all? So like... I am reading. So the first time I read this question, um, I, I was also unsure about the aquatic bird. He, I think he's referring to the loons, which is what Minnesota U- United refer to themselves as um but if you if you think about the scottish boy in question i imagine the scottish boy in question is lewis morgan and lewis morgan played at inter miami which uh their 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 uh their crest has uh herons on it so i think he is very versed in dealing with a bunch of uh waterfowl so i think he he can take on a uh, one group of aquatic birds well, here's the deal is that there's such a wide spectrum of Scottish boys as well, though. 
Like, uh, for every Lewis Morgan, we also have one alley that gets hit by a bus. If you know what video <laughs> I'm talking about, you're a real one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck off, alley. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> All-timer video. Just go Just go type in man hit by a bus in Glasgow and just lap your ass off for, like, so good. half an hour. <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> but then like uh, on the other spectrum of like scottish boys you also have like uh you know i mean like i said right the scottish scottish boys are such a wide spectrum uh i i i i anticipate that if it's the mad lads right like uh you're kind of in trouble especially if aquatic birds because i guess uh you know if a train spotting is any indication at the height of uh the decay in Scotland, there was so fuck all to do that people were getting up to some fucked up shit. So, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> I would never, ever doubt Scottish boys in this case. And also, I think the other flip side of the equation is what kind of aquatic bird are we talking about? Because if they're penguins, they can be kind of nasty little shits, right? So, yeah. Um, but loons are decisively not penguins, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know what the deal with with loons are, but they are very much about vibes. Like the sound what... of a loon is very, uh, it's uh, is a very common sound effect in like TV and movies, just because yeah. they have a very they have a very eerie, an eerie bird call. Yeah. You think about like you think about uh, picture a, a a a misty lake in your mind at like dusk, and you hear the 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 bird sound that comes to your head. That's it's likely a loon. To be honest, I, I I didn't even know what a loon was before today, and I understand oh, really? that these are these are ducks. So, um, <laughs> uh, are they similar to ducks or geese? Yes, definitely waterfowl. I'm uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, oh no, I I I still bet on Scotland though, because I mean, I, I'd be a fool yeah, to always, not bet on Scotland. Always bet on Scotland. Yes. Uh, I mean, these guys are power, powered by anger and iron brew. So, you know, I mean, I think I know which one I'm siding with. Yes. Iron brew is a great soda, by the way. I definitely recommend it It's a it really great soda. You should only really drink one once a year because anymore no. and what? No. Drink one for every meal. It's what makes you strong. The fuck? <laughs> well, you might become too strong. That's That's the issue. That's the whole point, though. You want to be strong enough to take on a flock of uh, birds by yourself. Like yes, boy, right? uh, so, uh, but uh, you might lose all of your teeth, but I don't know. That's fine. Who needs teeth? You need we, teeth we, to chew on your deep fried pizza as like you do when you're on the lash. In, we have uh, we have Soylent in, now. In Glasgow. We have Soylent. We have Soylent now. <laughs> you don't even need to chew to eat food anymore. How dare you? <laughs> this is going to be the debate that tears this podcast apart, finally. Is that... Exactly. <laughs> can, can you sustain yourself on a purely liquid diet of Iron Brew and Soylent? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a interesting thought exercise i think <laughs> so before we get out too out of control i will round this one up with another question from alexander Zanopoulos. thank you very much for your question from a scale of royer hunting milfs to wilt chamberlain in his prime how libidinally charged will Schubert be with a full complement of players and yeah i mean i will say that uh Schubert is probably the horniest manager i've ever seen this side of louis <laughs> van hall which is not which is not good yeah, I really uh, hope that Struber is not like dropping his pants in the locker room and showing the team his balls because I feel like that. I feel like that. For nothing else, that is a 
that violates some kind of like rules in this yeah. country. Yeah, please I don't know. Don't... What, I don't know what kind of perverted shit the the Netherlands, the the Dutch get up to, but I feel like we have rules against that here in this country. Well, I mean, Schubert's Austrian, so I don't anticipate that that's that much better. <laughs> to be right, honest. right, right. But yeah, please do not go full Mike Singletary. Okay, like <laughs> we, we we do not we do not need this shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, what one of the more interesting Schuberisms that's developed, I think, is his uh, use of the word sexy, right? Um, I'm kind of don't know what it means anymore, but yeah. I can I can only anticipate that it's good vibes, I guess. So, um, libidinally charged. I don't know, man. Uh- <laughs> those are those are. I don't think those are two words I haven't seen in that order before. So, congrats. Yeah, no. Shout uh, out to that. Yeah, I mean, libidinally charged. Wow. I mean, uh, yes. yeah. I mean, I just hope the football is good enough uh, where he keeps his pants on. I, yes, I don't, I don't know if I don't know if the team will like make a thing out of it. I don't know. I do know that uh, at some point, I know, I know. Uh, I don't want to set lens off, but there was a, there's a team in, in Japan called FC Tokyo. Um, Ooh. Yes, exactly. Ooh. Fuck FC Tokyo. <laughs> really? Yes, terrible team. But they have a, they had a Dutch manager who t- who. Again, boo. <laughs> Who talked about this is just making it worse, but they, he talked about playing sexy football. But now, like, if you ever watch one of their games or see any highlights, they have those wacky, wavy, inflatable tube men that say sexy football across them. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh my God, dude. Like, I had, like, I saw one the once game and I'm like, I screenshotted them and I asked uh, Dan Orlowitz, like, what the deal was and he explained it. I'm like, wow. That. Uh, I mean the absolute. St- you, I mean you fire Kenta Hasegawa, and then this happens. <laughs> well, no, no. This is like this is from years ago. This is oh, not like a years new ago. Thing. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought this they just kept it around because I guess it's kind of funny. Which, Sexy. admittedly, it kind of is. But I mean, have you? I mean, have you ever seen FC Tokyo play a game? Like, you just realize it's some of the most cynical football. <laughs> yeah, every, yeah. They had uh, they had Take Fusakubo one year, who was a little fun little guy, but now uh, very attritional. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the deal, man. I mean, they were coached by Hiroshi Chofuku at one point, but uh, they were cut at two different stints, I should say, actually. So, but I think uh, we should probably avoid getting too much into... Uh, we'll, we'll save this for another podcast. Yeah, when Fernando's not on the podcast, we end up going on tangents about Jap- Japan in some way or another, whether it's wrestling or or, or the J-League. So apologies it's just to more all like this. It's just like more non-Red Bull soccer, I think, in general. Exactly. But, you know, I mean... Uh, n- nothing wrong with the expanding your horizons. You guys. Exactly, folks. We, remember we are... some dudes sometimes. Yeah. Every, foot, football is more fun when you get to remember it. Right. <laughs> so that's the whole point of having a podcast, so you can remember shit from games. That's basically why we do this. Yes. <laughs> I, I also realize that we haven't actually answered the question, and I think uh, it's going to be a do we Do we want to, though, is the thing. Uh, let's see. I will say he will be uh, Louis Van Hall. Uh, oh, no. Oh, God. Wait, no, 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 no. Okay, uh, Fabio Capello after five cups of wine. Yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> okay, interesting. Maybe maybe Paul Jewell levels, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> oh, gosh. The grossest shit. Oh, my goodness. Please do not Google Paul Jewell, okay, no matter where you are. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yes. Okay. I don't know. Do you have a gander? Should we just drop it there? 
I, I don't want to think about Gerhard Stewart being horny in any way, so we can move on. <laughs> this the is a ball is cell podcast. The, the, the man is kids is all I'm going to say. So you know. I'm... Yes. <laughs> that was the last question in the mailbag, I believe. So uh, we kind of end on a pretty, uh, pretty wild note. So to say, very interesting note. Um, I think, uh, of course, I think a kickoff is at what's eight? Is it eight p.m.? I think uh, seven p.m. Seven p.m. in uh, seven p.m. So wait, does daylight savings time start or something? Uh, I maybe. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, All right, Sunday yeah. I think is when. Oh, so the clocks are going back for you today. Is that right? Uh, no, it's Sunday. Sunday will happen. Sunday. Okay, so that means the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, go to bed early, um, folks, so that you don't lose one extra hour of sleep, <laughs> as we inevitably do. Uh, <laughs> I always hated this part about America. Like, just just <laughs> zone, dude. Like, just this thing. one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think that'll about do us uh, here for Ripple Arena. If you're going to be at Ripple Arena on uh, Sunday, have a great time. Stroll around with your pals, have some beers, hoot and holler for some good soccer, maybe even have some Rodizio before the game. Who knows? Uh, also, put on layers. It's going to be cold. Oh, I've, I've, I haven't experienced the cold in like close to two years, and that makes me really sad. Right, so I'm just, just letting the folks know. Yeah, I mean, it's a good PSA. Uh Avoid the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I don't know how well it's going to happen, but yeah. Um, <laughs> that's your kind of thing. I don't even know what Harrison looks like anymore. But anyway, that being said, thank you, Juan, for your time. No problem. And everybody will see you again very, 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 very shortly. Metro Fan TV, our episode 60, saying have a good day. Whatever have a good day, afternoon or night, no matter which time of day you're listening to this on. Peace. We're gonna play football. We're gonna play football, 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 all around the world. Football, 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 the greatest game of all. You can play a rough, it'll never be enough, cause you know we're invincible. We're talking about